Uh, uh. What's going on over there? Oh my god, a lot of balls in the air. Um, uh, one of my projects, as you know, is happening at home, so I took home the input devices that I normally my quiet input devices I usually have at the desk. Mm. Wasn't so I didn't check the checklist. I did it again. Mm -hmm. So there seems to be a hum buzz. Um, why even have the checklist if you're not going to check it? You know. Well, it's like Nietzsche says, you know, it's a comfort. I, I do. I check it. I check it when I remember to check it. I think I got I'm everything. Let's see twice. if this works. Let me see. Oh, no. Oh, that's not working at all. Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay. Connected. Okay. I, oh God, I got to quit some things. Oh, John, I cut it close tonight, but I didn't reschedule. Mm -hmm. I'm in receipt uh, uh, of a new piece of hardware that I've been preparing. I've been preparing the way mm -hmm. for two days for the new piece of hardware, getting everything that I can ready. And seconds before I stepped out the door, I began the uh, migration assistant. <laughs> I, I did that today too. I got my new uh, laptop. And I did oh, the migration cool. assistant over Wi-Fi. It seemed to work pretty well. I did. I got a new Mac Mini, and I um, figured I, I did all my research, collected all the information. I haven't. I, I haven't done. I still call it FireWire target mode. I haven't mm. done target mode in forever, but I learned how to do that and connected with the uh, uh, USB C to the Mac mini, but of course you got to get both machines on the same operating system. So I've been doing that anyway. That's, that's why I was a little late, but I'm, I'm, I'm strong like bull. Do you have to, do you have to have them on the same? I didn't have them on the same. I, I migrated from a Mac with uh, Catalina onto the big Sur Mac. Um, I think no, it's the other way around for me. So the Mac mini ships with 10 point something and my, um, laptop is on 11. you got an Intel Mac mini. I don't, whatever, well, whatever the, whatever the new one is with the M thing. That's not, that's not 10 point. That's 11 point something then. Ooh, no, no, no. Well, well, I'm just telling you when I, when I went to do the migration assistant and I said, push this computer to that computer, it said, nah, first you got to upgrade this one. And it was, I'm pretty sure the Mac mini was on 10 point something. No. Okay. <laughs> unless, unless I'm very confused. Do you have two Mac minis? I don't know. I'll have to check got one keyboard anyway i did migration assistant from uh from a catalina machine to a big Sur machine and it worked i did it wirelessly though if that makes a difference um but if you got an m1 based mac mini it is not running 10 point anything i think it is it's not well it's not now i upgraded it the the, the, the input devices my quiet input devices i use i was sitting at the coffee table you know and and, and conducting my my mac mini do you sync up your desktop no, I, I took that on for my kids just because I, I figured. Turned on my accident, and now I've just got hundreds and hundreds of screenshots on two machines. Yeah, no, that's no good. I don't, I don't live that way. But I, the reason I did it for my kids is like, like they don't know anything about computers, and I just wanted to avoid the scenario where they lose some file because they don't keep track of their stuff. So I figured there's no way to stop them from putting stuff on the desktop. I might as well have it cloud safe. I think that's, I think that's really you know. smart. I mean, it's good to. That's part of the sort of. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into the dad stuff, but that's part of the dad stuff is just like knowing like it's better for me to do this because you certainly are not putting this in any kind of an organizational structure. Mm -hmm. I might as well accommodate that instead of hearing dad from, from mm -hmm. the other room. I got a fun request this afternoon. I got home and I was fixing to set everything up for my big migration. And she said, can you help me with something? And I was like, of course. She's like, I have my Chromebook. She's like, I've got to open this movie for my homework. And it was like, I think it was actually literally something .swf. And she said, when I click on it, on the Chromebook, it says that um, I need to allow 
Flash to run. And I already clicked to allow Flash to run. I said, honey, I have not super kept up with this and I'm not trying to neg you, but I'm pretty sure Flash is not a thing anymore. And she said, I can ask my teacher. I said, well, no, we, we could try it. But like, I feel like I remember hearing at least a year or two ago that Flash was going away. I looked it up. 2017, they announced they were ending it December 31st, 2020. Yeah, I mean, so, just because it's not supported anymore doesn't mean it's literally going away. If you still have it installed, I think it will continue to function. But that's like, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't have an analogy for this. But, you know, like when you see old appliances, like an old waffle iron, and it's got that cool like woven cord and some wackadoo 1920s connector for getting into the electric. Like, I'm not sure I want to plug that in. That's kind of how I feel right now. Like, even yeah. if it, even if we can force it into the outlet, I'm not really sure I want that running in my daughter's room. I mean, but this, you, education, you know, you got to do what the teacher says you got to do, so. Well, don't don't let your schoolwork get in the way of your education is what we used to say mm -hmm. at New College. Did you ever say that? Did you ever say that at so uh, wherever you went to you college? So wise. So wise. Could, could, didn't wear shoes, but we knew many things. So I'm excited about that, and you've, you've been very kind in helping me in an unusual way, given that you're my worst friend. You've been super helpful with some uh, things I needed help with, and I'm pumped. I'm uh, I'm very excited. I'm I, I'm very tempted by a Synology. Not gonna lie, it's a really good looking five base Synology that's getting uh, lots of good notices. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for your new uh, modern lifestyle. Since apparently you can't uh, have any sort of uh, well, your problem is you have crap upload from your house, right? I have crap upload everywhere. <laughs> crap upload everywhere. Yeah, and so even though physically you could you could throw floppy disks <laughs> from one place to the other. A series of throws, but your <laughs> net your networking is so terrible that you're just well, looking I mean, for some way to do it. Without you know doing too much bad infosec and opsec, I mean, I literally could throw if I got if I got the spin right, mm -hmm. I could yeah. throw an 800k or 1.4k disc like a shuriken and be near enough to my house or or a playing card with uh what is it what's his name yeah Ricky J there you go that guy yeah. That guy. Um, but what can I say about this? Um, yeah. So what I've been doing, you, uh, you were, you kindly answered my question today about what I should do to format my drive. And I, I, you know, I have several of these terrible $140, eight terabyte expansion drives. Well, Merlin, why would you have more than one of those? Well, you know, one of them I use as my increasingly nearly full hyperdrive backup for my office Synology. But I had three of them that I was using for offsite rotation for backups. no to take my very heavy media files home so that I could watch a 4K mm. movie locally. It's your sneaker net. It's my sneaker net. It's my it's a shuriken net. You, you, once you go, this was true, this was so true with 1080p, and I, I, I'm loath to admit that I've become a size queen. Fork, I know you, you don't have this yet. 4K UHD, you never go back. Never go back. I'm telling you, man, we were watching The Crown last night, uh, S4E2 of The Crown. It's funny how. You made a noise, you didn't mute. No, yeah, no, I, I'm just, things are, things are a mess over here. I'm watching The Crown too. What are you on? I, we just watched the first episode. Did we watch the first? Yeah. Eh, yeah maybe with, we're on the, the second. The I don't want to spoil. Something dramatic happened. So it was that episode two? With a boat? Yeah. That's episode one. Episode one. Um, okay, so we've only seen one so far. Episode two is a lot of fun. I, oh my God, I love this show so much. I forgot how much I love this show. I went back and made my terrible family watch the first episode again with Lane from Mad Men. The Chernobyl guy. Mm -hmm. Well, I have questions about his hairpiece, but I'll save 
for, for later in the show. But but um but my god, it's such a good show. I love the talent so much. Matt Smith is really creepy with that blonde hair, but um <laughs> there's a shot at the beginning of as you'll see uh, when you go back tonight and watch S4E2, it opens outdoors and one of the establishing shots is of um a body of water that's not still. You see where I'm going with this. You know, you know the HBO logo identity problem. How do how 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 do we test our our artifacts in our pixelation? Well, we watch Ponyo or or we watch a scene in a 4K UHD show where like if you were watching this in 480 or 720, it would just be like watching bacon sizzle. Cause it's all the artifacts of trying to like keep up with that much activity on screen. Mm-hmm. 4K UHD, buddy, looks so good. So freaking good. Um in so did, have you seen this one e1 of the crown yeah no i'm I'm caught up i well you know right. i've, I've well, seen watch everything from the up like to and including to, right? the first episode okay. of the new season remember it opens with him coughing in a toilet okay we meet him vaguely, vaguely all right well. you know you know lane from Mad Men. it's the guy yes. who dies by hanging yes. and everything almost mm-hmm. two-thirds of the things i've seen him in okay um he has a very interesting hair situation going on and I, I found myself wondering aloud about it. If you were to go back and watch The Crown S1E1, he, I don't think of him as a bald, balding actor man. I know he's got like probably like definitely at least a receding hairline, but he's got a hairpiece that I think is meant to look like a hairpiece, which makes me admire it more. But you know what? It doesn't look too much. It's a hairpiece fit for a king. <laughs> Oh, it's wow. period appropriate, right? Well, let's not let's you know keep it friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, period garb they call it, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but uh, but uh, but you know what they say about uh, uh, the chairman of the board as well as Tony Bennett? They say the key to their success. We've talked about this. The key to their success was they got appropriate period appropriate uh, headpieces. So Frank, Frank, who always you see Frank in the forties and fifties in the studio. What's he doing? He's always wearing a hat. Mm-hmm. It's because he was a balding man, it's and like he was not. Edge. Like the edge and maybe, well, like a lot of people, let's leave it at that. <laughs> There's a lot of people, you know, that, that got a situation going on, Hakuna Matata, but the story goes that he and Bennett both had enough self-knowledge and self-esteem to say, look, make this look real. Not only make this look gray, but give me a hair hat that looks like a receding hairline. Now, a lot of guys like Dr. Konak, you know, back back in shop class, who's a doctor, Dr. Koenig is a doctor, doctor of, of uh, he's a dietitian doctor who taught me shop, or excuse me, uh, uh, construction class. Now, Dr. Konak, he had a very implausible wig. His hair hat might as well have had a brim. <laughs> and more's the pity because, you know, and actually he actually had two of them. Like, like seven out of eight days, or let's say mm, mm, seven to nine out of ten school days, he would have his more period-appropriate one. And I don't know if he was having it let out or hemmed or cleaned, but he would get his plausible gray hair hat, leave that somewhere else, and then he would wear his less plausible, this is what I think my hair should look like in 1972 hair hat. And it ruined the whole illusion. Unless, unless he was so self-possessed that he didn't care that you knew it was a hair hat. If one of my teachers did that, I have a feeling that it would take me a while to figure out what was wrong. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's, like, oh, it's no. kind of like when someone gets a haircut or they get new glasses and you see them and you know something. Back when we used to see people, remember yes. that? Yes. Uh, you see them and you know something's changed, but you can't figure it out. Or like it's just something itching at your mind, but then you don't, you just, you just dismiss that in, feeling. In a different then, time, you would say to somebody, have you lost weight? Like there was always the like, there's something different about you. And it would end up being glasses or something. Or but haircut, or, right. they'd, or they'd be like, oh, my hair that is normally gray is now black because I'm wearing a different hairpiece. Yeah. And I would say, yes, that's it. Different hairpiece. I don't know. I mean, I, there's part of me that admires it, you know, but that was, um, you know, Willard Scott used, I, I feel like I've heard Willard, Squ- Willard Scott quoted about this, ditto for Sean Connery, where they would just say, look, you know, this is my little hair hat. I wear that because I'm a performer. You, if you want me to wear the hair hat, you got to pay a little extra. Hmm. Something like that. Maybe the other way around. But in any case, you know, Sean Connery, he had some controversial ideas about women. And Willard Scott was the first Ronald McDonald. So that's one to grow on. Was he? He was the first one. Go, go uh, well, at your peril. Mm. Go to your internet search and look for Willard Scott, Ronald McDonald. Um, I think there's one part in particular. So he's got the weird nose. He's got all of that. But I think he, there's also something where like he has like a box of French fries on his shoulder or something. It's really upsetting. Willard Scott. It, Scott. Auto, it auto completed for me. I don't know. Yep. I'm just, I don't picture him. Oh my goodness. No, no. It, oh, so the fries are on his head. Is that it? No, he's got a cup on his nose in this picture. He's got a, cu- he's got a cup for a nose, but then on top of his head is a tray. Yeah, it looks like a, it looks like a cone. I guess it's, a, I guess those are fries. Um, okay. There's a lot about this. We'll put this in show notes. There's a lot no. about this that I don't like, and I don't want to get too semiotic this early in the program, but I, I don't like things where, where the, the central conceit or the central controlling, yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you, John. I'm going to mm-hmm. close that window. The central like metaphor or, or conceit um, is confused. So Ronald McDonald, a.k.a. Willard Scott, he has a cup for a nose. On top of his head is a tray full of yummy McDonald's food, but he's also carrying a tray of McDonald's food. Is he the food, the tray, or can a clown be all those things? They also painted a little black stripe in his front teeth to make it look like there's a gap. Oh, like a hayseed, like a hee-haw kind of thing. Is yeah. that real? Like, I'm looking at later pictures, and he doesn't have a gap there. I guess they well, added that. Well, he might have gotten plausible, uh, plausible falsies. Wow. No, this is no good. This is this is nightmare fuel. Yeah, well, he's very, he's got, you know, there's something also about, like, usually if you're going to do a full-on, is it the Auguste? Whichever the clown is, it has the white face. Normally, you would get rid of your Willard Scott eyebrows and just paint on eyebrows like my grandmother did. Mm-hmm. In this case, they've let him read. It's sort of he's like... Got, he's, got, he's got both. He's, well, he's doing a Cesar Romero as the Joker, which is where you keep your mustache and then you put makeup on over it. He's got his original eyebrows plus his McDonald's eyebrows. Yeah, I think they, they had that in a later episode of The Queen's Gambit. I'm only up to three. Oh, what? What? I was trying doing? to save it. I was trying to your life. Well, I'm watching a lot of The Crown. I watched Ted Lasso over and over, and I discovered some new teppanyaki videos from my dude last night. Watch The Queen's Gambit, you monster. I've seen like three episodes. It seems no, very ambitious. It. There's only eight. Just finish it. Hmm. Yeah, but they probably could have done with six. If there's eight, they probably could have done with six. Well, no, I just, I just spoiled something. But anyway, no. when you I, see I don't, it. I'm not listening to me. you. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't like that though. I think that's really confusing and, and it's, it's failing me right now because I've been working on a computer all day and another computer, but I don't like it when the central conceit is, is, is broken in some way. So like either he's a clown carrying food or he is food. I don't think that he should be a recursive 
a, a clown in him. I don't think he should be a, a clown made of food holding food. Yeah, no, he's he's just a human Bennigan's. He's just got a lot of flair. That's it. You mean like like a like a what do they call it? Uh, like a, a brass brass and beverages kind of thing, plus steely Dan bar kind they of just thing. Just took he's like the wall. They just said what McDonald's stuff? Stick it on me. I'm uh, sure, like the as a hat, two, as probably. my nose, I'll carry it, throw okay. it in, whatever. No, it's not It's not a good concept. No, it's it's very low concept, and, but like a little bit of that George Harrison, like, whatever you want me to do, Paul, if you don't want me to play, I won't play at all. If you want to dress me up with a cup for a nose, I will do it. Mm-hmm. How does your clown smell? Very bad. <laughs> That's three. I three laughs tonight. <laughs> we need to just stop the show now. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash diffs. If you want to update your living space, yeah, but you know, buying a sofa can be a hassle. You need Burrow. Burrow offers the easiest, most convenient way to get a comfortable new sofa delivered to your door. I I did this, uh, as I think I've mentioned here before, you know, I bought me a Burrow before they were a sponsor. Like no, no code, my own money, got a burrow. And I sit on it every night and it's great. It's, uh, it's, uh, we, we've got uh, three sections to it. And then we, we've got an ottoman that we like. We often put stuff on it or, or the cat, you know, will sleep on it. But, uh, but it's, it's definitely doing what we hoped. You know, it's, it, it's part of the general couch. Sometimes we put our feet up, but you know, sometimes the cat's there. What are you going to do? She's old and doesn't have uh, many teeth left. So we, we cede that to her. The thing about the uh, burrow their, their sofas are, they're practical and they're adaptable. They're, they're maybe too adaptable, if you ask me. You can assemble a bro by yourself. No tools needed. No help needed in just minutes. You carry up some boxes. You got a couch. You don't have to worry about the steps. Even I could do it. And, and I, I have, like, I, I'm very weak. I, I have a lot of muscle atrophy, you know, but I was able to do it. But they also have insanely useful features. Hey, hey, let me ask you a question. Did your last sofa have uh, built-in USB chargers? Well, your next one will. It's Burrow. Check it. You go. And, and you can customize everything. Your sofa is, is just the way you want it to be. You're going to choose the color, the fabric, the arm style, the leg style, the size, and the shape of your seating. You can attach the Shays Lounge Edition to any seat or get a floating ottoman. That's what I got, floating ottoman. Uh, Burrow also offers clever storage-focused coffee tables, modular, easy-to-hang wall shelves, credenzas and benches they got it all burrow is great for renters because you can build with no tools and it's uh, all, all easy to move whenever you go it's great for families and pets you know because uh i can tell you our pet lays on ours they're they're scratch and stain uh resistant the fabric you know and anyone who wants stylish quality furniture you know he doesn't know where to start you got to go get you a burrow every single burrow order includes fast and free shipping and right now you can save an extra 75 dollars off your purchase all you gotta do is go to burrow.com slash diffs that's d-i-f-f-s b-u-r-r-o-w dot com slash diffs for 75 dollars off our thanks to burrow for supporting reconcilable differences and all of relay fm yeah you get them normally i'm just normally writing the mute button but i can't so let me uh, let me explain what my uh, I've got issues over here. Let me say what, what I'm dealing with. You got issues. Yeah. Oh, sorry. This is the situation to which you referred earlier. I mean, I don't remember which situation. Well, I referred you, to, but... you were sounding flustered and it sounded like there was a lot going on, maybe something involving your kids and computers. 
No, no, no. Look at look at the top of many topics. Here's the deal. Oh, geez. Okay. Oh, you added more. Look at that last minute. Yeah, as as I think we mentioned at some point that I, I was trying to do the thing where great timing. Like we put off all these sort of a family appointments, like we you know things that were possible to put off, we put off because of the COVID, right? So let's not do all this stuff. And then eventually, like, well, now we've put something off for six months, you know, and we really do need to whatever it may be. Well, and foot, footnote, especially now where my family is now having the conversation of, you know, we got a big lockdown coming. Is there's anything we need to do? There's a window, a very brief window right. for doing it right now. So, I, you know, that's it's like the two things were a dentist and eye doctor, right? And <laughs> you would think John that... John needs glasses. Yeah, you would think that the more pressing one of those would maybe be dentists because you just let that build up and it's an issue. And especially for the kids or whatever, turns out. One of my kids, who shall remain nameless, did have some cavities. The other did not. It's probably the child that eats. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we put that off for a long time, and we do the thing where we go as a family to minimize the uh, the risk. It's like we either all get it or we don't get it. One one roll of the dice, all go at the same time, right? Yeah. Um, and whatever, dentist, you know, that's a whole separate thing to talk about, but that that's fine. Then the eye doctor. And the eye doctor's like, why are you bothering with that? Like, if you know... The eye doctor you can put off indefinitely. What's the big deal? Well, <laughs> Boy, really big, big vote of faith in their occupation. I'm just saying like, it's not like, it's a not like your eyes. It's not like they're going to clean your eyes with a metal stick. And, and they're, if you don't get them clean, they're going to rot out of your head. No, they're just going to stand on the other side of uh, the owl eight inches from your nose. Yeah. So, but here's the issue. Uh, well, first of all, my kids are still at the age where their eyes are continuing to get worse. You're welcome for those genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so eventually they like, you know, can't see anymore. <laughs> All right. So you do have to keep their prescription updated, but. And they both, they both have prescription glasses now. Yes. 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 They, both of their parents have a bad vision to varying degrees and they're still in the age where their vision is getting worse and worse. So you really do need to keep up with that. Otherwise, eventually they can't see, especially my son who's learning to drive. Not great for him learning to drive with glasses. Right. They're way out of date. Um, so we need to get that addressed. But the other thing is that I'm in, well, do you, what is it? What's your vision situation? You have glasses, right? Your, your sister-in-law threw them out. Not that you're angry. Not that I'm angry. I've got, I've got my, I can look up my prescription. I've got, and I can go into the details of my actual decisions with regard to um, the lenses. But I, since the early to mid nineties have had trouble seeing at a distance. I first noticed it in a grocery store where I couldn't read the signs very well. Uh, and I saw it at night driving. And so for a long time, it was just to drive at night. But yeah, now um, I really, you know what I need, John? I need brightness. I need, I need such bright lights. I can't read the instructions on things anymore. So I was, I don't know what I am right now, but I'm due. I'm due for, like Warby Parker, Parker won't give me new frames until I get a new prescription because mm. it's aged out. But you but, didn't have glasses as a kid. This is an no. adult my father. My father had terrible vision, had glasses from the age of like three or four, which is pretty weird in the 30s. Yeah. So on my situation, I always had, you know, bad vision to start going bad when I was very young. Uh, and, you know, just like my kids. And my problem is I couldn't see far away. So like by whatever, I think like fourth grade when I first got my glasses, by that point, we waited way too long and I couldn't see anything. And then I got glasses and it was like a miracle I could see again. Uh, and then my eyes just got worse and worse until uh, probably they stopped getting worse around the end of high school, right? And then they sort of leveled off at whatever my prescription was going to be. Um, and I'm, you know, I was super blind. I couldn't, couldn't see anything without my glasses far mm-hmm. away. Um, and then, you know, like it's like anything else. Like you 
you go through your childhood, you get to adulthood and you figure, all right, now this is it. Life will be like this from now on. I'll be this tall. I'll be this weight. I'll have this vision. And that goes along steadily for a while until you take a turn and then you realize, hmm, maybe I won't be this weight forever. Hmm. <laughs> am I, am I shrinking? And the eyes do the same thing. It's like, well, my eyes are what they are, right? And I knew what my prescription was and it would never change. And it was just like, like I had crappy vision and I'd put on glasses and I could, you know, see far away. And what happens for, at least happened for me, I think it happens for most people who can't see, if you know, nearsighted people who can't see far away, mm-hmm. um, is that a, a funny thing happens. Uh, your, as you get older and your eyes get older and crappier, your prescription starts to get less severe. So mine used to be like negative six and a half in the left eye and negative five and a half in the right eye. Um, and that was my prescription forever. And then, but then eventually go to the eye doctor and they take your prescription. I was like, actually you're like five, you know, you're, you're actually six in the left eye and, you know, five and a quarter in the right eye. Like my distance vision got better. (laughs) The, the, the wonder of your body losing symmetry. Yeah, well, and, and well, so the, the real thing is like you're what's happening, I think, is when you get older, I think for most people, it gets harder to see close up. But my eyes were always screwed up in a way that they could see close up really well, but far away terribly. Yeah. And could you do the George Costanza thing where you like not the squinting, but sorry, but the thing where you like get it, hold it in the right place, exactly the right place in the right light and you could see it usually? Well, it's not, not such much a lighting thing for me. It's a focal plane thing, right? So what, what started to happen was, I think what's happening is like my, the range at which I can focus successfully has been decreasing. You know, when you're young, in, you can in focus. Both, both directions? Yeah. Well, no, mostly just far away, right? Mm-hmm. My up close is, well, I guess my up close has gotten a little bit worse, right? I used to be able to focus like super up close. And then eventually, you know, now I can focus like four inches from my nose instead of two inches. But that's still really, really good, Right. But my distance vision has been pulling in. So my prescription has been going down, 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 down. That's so weird. Right? Yeah. Um, The problem with that is it's just as bad. If you have a pair of glasses that are at negative six, negative five and a half, eventually those glasses no longer let you see clearly in the distance because they're too strong for you now. And Mm -hmm. so when you look in the distance, things are blurry, right? And then on top of that, with your glasses on, with your with your supposed distance glasses, now you can't see things up close. Right. Because if I'm looking through my two strong glasses lenses, I can't focus on, let's say, the computer screen that's two feet from my nose. That's bad. Yeah. Because I look at the computer screen a lot, right? So You need that for your work. And even when my prescription was sort of correct, now you're getting a little bit older, now my prescription is correct for distance. It's like negative four and change or something and, uh, on one of my eyes and you know neg- negative four and a half on the other one. It's correct for distance. But even with those glasses on, I couldn't focus, looking through those glasses, I couldn't focus on things that were close. So you do must thing, have been really frustrating. Did it take you a long time to figure it out? Oh, no, I knew, I've known this for a long time. But the thing okay. I've been doing, the thing I've been, you know, your favorite phrase, satisficing, Mm-hmm. Um, you do the thing where you look below your glasses. I'm sure you've seen people do this. So you've seen people look over their glasses in movies, where they got the glasses down at the tip of their nose and they look over yeah. the top of their glasses. Well, unless you're Chuck Schumer or a blogger, like normally you want to look through the glass part. Right. Well, so what I've been doing is looking under the glasses. For example, looking at my phone. Oh, I, okay. I see what you're doing. I'm doing it. I'm doing it like this. Yeah. So push okay. the glasses up on the bridging nose where they're supposed yeah. to be, but then look at your phone just by looking under your glasses lens. So There's I've a reason I'm not this. wearing glasses right now, John. I want to circle back to this. I, I 
Yes, I, I know, but I do know exactly what you mean. So you're you're all over the map. How long have you been putting up with this? Well, I've had the thing where I've been looking under my glasses to read my phone for you know a year and a half, two years now, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. and but only recently has it gotten to the point where it's like, okay, well, that's when you're looking at your phone and you know really close to your face, right? I'd still been able to up until maybe four months ago. I'd still been able to focus on my you know laptop screen through my glasses. At mm-hmm. a certain point, my eyes had changed so much that my prescription was now too strong. And looking through my glasses lenses, I couldn't focus on the laptop screen. Oh, and here's the problem with that. Taking off my glasses or looking under them, I also can't see the laptop screen because it was too far away for me to see without glasses, but glasses, too close for me to see with glasses. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sucks. So this is what's motivating me to go to the doctor because what do I do all day? I sit in front of the computer, yeah. right? So I need to get my my glasses turned down. Obviously, we could go to bifocals or progressive lenses and all sorts of other solutions like That's that. That's what I've got, yeah. Um, but in the last time I was at the eye doctor, I said, is it time for me to go bifocals or progressive? He said, no. Uh, I think, you know, if you if we crank you down, you know, and turn, you know, lower the prescription a little bit so your distance vision is like 2025 or something. That's a sucker's game, John. Then then you'll be fine. So that was fine, but that was like more than a year and a half ago or whatever. Like like that's I was overdue because of COVID, and and my eyes had gotten gone downhill fast. So I needed to get in there and say we've got to fix this because all I do is look at the computer all day, and I can't see with my glasses on, and I can't see with my glasses off, and that's bad. Um, so I did the whole family went to the eye doctor. Everyone got their prescriptions adjusted and got all the things. And sure enough, my prescription had changed a lot. Um, and here's the strategy we're using now for, uh, you know, cause, cause I, I told the eye doctor, like my main, all I do all day is sit in front of the computer. So my main glasses, I want to be essentially computer glasses. Like these are the glasses I use to sit in front of the computer and these should be good enough that I can see things at computer distances and see things around the house, but maybe not powerful enough for me to drive with. Right. Like distance glasses. Mm. That's asking a lot of one pair of glasses. And then I, I have, because I have multiple glasses frames and I said in my other set of frames, when the year rolls over and we get the new insurance money, cause it's like one set of prescriptions per year. Right. In mm-hmm. January, I'll upgrade my distance glasses to be my driving glasses things. Right. Mm-hmm. This is the, this is the plan after the, uh, the, the eye doctor visit, the eye doctor visit, by the way, where normally I would have spent way more time hanging out, talking about glasses, prescriptions and options when really uh, this time we just want to get the hell out of there. Right. Cause you know, yeah. I don't want to no, be no, in, believe me, in, I know in enclosed spaces. They have the door open and fans on and everyone's wearing masks and you know, anyway, but it needed to be done. Right. So here I am thinking I'm going to, I'm going to have my computer glasses lifestyle where, you know, I'll have, cause, cause I do have, I have multiple pairs of glasses. And as the, as my glasses go back in time, the prescription gets st- stronger, not weaker because my prescription has been going the other direction. Right. So my mm-hmm. current quote unquote driving glasses are even stronger than my glasses that were too strong for me to see the computer screen. Right. So everything's, you know, whatever. I bit the bullet, did the thing. Uh, and I said, okay, here are my, here are my glasses that I want to be on my computer glasses. Like my main good glasses frames that I've had. God, I think they're older than both my children easily. I've had these frames for a long time. Oh yeah. You've be, got those, uh, kind of Ben Franklin glasses you've been wearing for a I while. They, I think they might be from the nineties. I don't remember how old they're 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 not stylish at all, but they're comfortable, and that's what's important to me when I'm sitting in front of. They look the like computer. they're light. Yeah, they're they're the type of thing where the, the frame just goes over the top of the lenses, and there's mm-hmm. just like a nylon string under the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are light, um, and the more importantly, like I'm, I don't know if my weird sensitive head, but like 
I don't like when like the things that go behind your ears like dig into your head. You know, mm-hmm. you know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. And, well, especially you know, when it goes on all day long, or like you know when you get those the nose thing that digs into your nose. Yeah. Like any of that stuff that you could tolerate for a little while in a three D movie, you don't want all the time. Right. So these ones just are, are comfortable, and I have some other pairs that I find acceptable. Today. So here, here you go, eye doctor person. Uh, please uh, get me new lenses for these that will be my computer glasses. And this was like a Friday. And I don't know what universe I was in, but I was like, okay, well, give them on a Friday, maybe by Monday or Tuesday. And actually, like, this was the week with, like, Veterans Day in it. So I'm like, well, Monday or Tuesday, I'll, I'll limp along, and then I'll get my glasses back on Wednesday or whatever. And in the meantime, what, here's what I had at home, because I give them my glasses. Like, how do I even leave the eye doctor? I had to, like, drive from the eye doctor. I have contacts, and my contacts, which I'm wearing right now, I can see the computer screen with my contacts. But there's a reason I don't wear my contacts. Uh, I I can't if you I can't stare at a computer screen all day with contacts, and my eyes feel like they get all dried out, and it's not it's not comfortable. Like I intentionally don't wear contacts, right? But mm-hmm. I'm wearing them now because if I wasn't, I couldn't see the computer screen. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Now here's the thing with contacts: can't look under contacts, can you? That would be tricky. That would be some kind of sting tantric thing to pull that off. So now I can't see my phone because <laughs> hmm. it's too close. Hmm. And I'm in like, this is not the, what is it? Uh, Burgess Meredith. This is not the time enough at last. Time enough but at last. You need one of those uh, old, old guy grabby sticks. So you can hold it further away. Get a selfie stick, John. That'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah. So, and, and the thing is, and now, you know, my kids are, by the way, my kids wanted to get contacts too. Uh, my daughter was successfully able to put them in. My son was not. So he made a second trip back to the eye doctor to get a second chance at infecting us all to help get his contacts in so they could check that they were fitted correctly, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, on a second trip back, I said, hey, ask what the deal is with my glasses. When can I expect those? Uh, and I got the report back. Oh, because of COVID, two to three weeks. Two to three weeks. So you know, you're not going to be able to see your monitor. So for well. two to three weeks in this house, here are my choices. I can... Uh, I can put on my quote unquote driving glasses and drive, which are too powerful for me, really even for distance, but they're okay for me to drive with because they're the only thing I can really see distance with. And with those glasses on, I can't see anything, but with those glasses on, I can look under them and see my phone or I can put in my contacts and be able to see the computer screen, but not be able to see my phone. Hmm. You're going to need to apply some, some modality. That's a very long time to wait for glasses, John. That seems are you having it done like are they are they special or are they made out of rare tortoises or something uh, they they blame that on covid the 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 company wow. that they send them out to the first they said they used to do that's them like, in-house, that's like but, the new 9-11 like we can't just always say covid and act like that's well, going to take care it's, of it. it's a it's a double whammy they said we used to do them in-house because i remember them doing them in-house they used to do them in-house but now insurance won't let us anymore we have to send them out because insurance mm. and the place mm. we send them out to is behind on everything because covid okay so mm. I'm here, I'm, I'm just, I'm, my vision situation is grim because I have to choose each day what portion of the day will I be able to see which distance from my face. That's frustrating. Um, and factor in, I have to also now drive because the infinite wisdom of our school system has decided that it's time for one of my children to go back into the school for two days a week. Because we're not in the the peak of the third wave or anything, but that's what Mm -hmm. they decided to do. So now I'm driving or picking up my kids from school. So Mm -hmm. I have to be able to see the computer, but I also have to be able to drive at certain times of the day. And then for podcasts, I have to be able to see the computer screen here. And I don't know how I'm going to live through two to three weeks of constantly 
swapping eye things and never being able to see all the things at once. I mean, is it, I mean, this is, I have so many questions. I mean, is there a way you could just get that prescription and send it to Warby, Warby Parker and just say, send me these? Well, they've already got my frames. They've got the frames. They're well, but like, you need, well, but like get different frames. Yeah, dude. No, you I need glasses. Like, it's okay, not a comfort don't, situation. Why don't I just, yeah, send the prescription somewhere and just get some kind of glasses. I've considered that, but I think. Well, it's like, it's like it's a phrase that I coined. <coughs> excuse me. I want to say back in February or March when everything was hard to get, which was going to happen again soon. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm going to call it a predatory shopping. Which is like, I would order lots of things from lots of different places, very Marco-like, knowing, not because I'm fancy, but just because there's a really good chance it's not going to come from any of these places. If it does come, it'll come later. If it's a non-perishable, I could save it. But like, there was a time when it just made sense to be predatory about trying it lots of different ways. I think you're very near a break glass in case of not no vision situation where you need to do something. You need to make some calls or do some predatory shopping. Yeah. What what I've been doing instead and what I had had been doing for the months leading up to this is using the accessibility features from my computers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you use the control uh, scroll zoom on your Mac? Yes. I used it just today. I use it all the time. That's how I've been able to function. I don't I don't love doing it. It feels really gawky. But yeah, for our listeners who don't know, at least with me, with this Logitech scroll wheel, you hit control and I think scroll up and it, it zooms in. <laughs> What's the phrase in cameras? Like digitally versus optically? It's not optical, it's digital. Like it's it's really janky and jaggy, but it will get you in closer to seeing. I do that, I mean, it's sort of like when you're using screen sharing or like screens, you know, the app, and you want to like zoom in. Um, but like you can't just overall set everything bigger. Well, no, because for me to be able to see in the scenarios where I normally can't, I don't need it a little bit li- bigger. I need it a mm-hmm. lot bigger. So I'm not zooming in a little bit. You got too many tabs. That's your problem. I'm you know? zooming in a lot in the scenarios where I can't see it. Um, the good thing about that feature on, on the Mac, it's it's in system preferences under accessibility somewhere, and it's like mm-hmm. a zoom feature, is that it's GPU accelerated. So it's very responsive. The Obviously, like you said, the quality when it's zoomed in looks like garbage, but the whole point is I can't see anything anyway. I'm not, yeah. the, the nuances of the of the quality of the zoom are lost on my crappy vision, but it's so fast. You zoom right in and right out. And especially mm-hmm. if you're on like on a trackpad with swiping or you have a scroll wheel or something, yeah. it yeah, becomes yeah. sort of second nature. On the phone, I've had to crank up the font size. Yeah, I mean, I, I, go, I, I do that. That move already comes so naturally to me because of using different like edit, editing apps where like with Descript, it's become really like in my bones to zoom in and out. But like, I'm surprised given the people, I mean, like we have friends, you know, and a friend of ours on Slack who is a, a or somebody like Steven or somebody like Shelly, who's like, you know, not Steven, you know, Aquino, but, or, or, or Shelly Brisbane, but like, are they get, are they using screen readers? Like, how are they getting by in situations like that? I mean, I imagine some combination of all of the things. Yeah, screen, screen readers for certain scenarios. But if you have some amount of vision, you can zoom way in. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I think of my mother who's almost entirely lost her vision. But, you know, the, the brain is an amazing thing. And if she can, you know, she's got everything yeah. cranked up to a big size and she can, she reads by like looking at like a few letters at a time and piecing it together in her brain. Yeah. Which is better than not being able to see it at all. Right. So like if you can just, you know, if you can just sort of get the information to go into your eye hole somehow, whether it's zoomed and parceled out in pieces and just sort of reconstruct it, then you can, you know, make it work. I tried to show my mom screen reading stuff, but I she was she bounced off that. She's like, I'd ra- I'd rather read through the tiny porthole of my remaining vision than have this thing talk to me. That's a lot to learn. Like when you watch those amazing videos of how, mm-hmm. how people with sight issues use um, 
like an iOS device in particular, it's like it's it's magic. It's like witchcraft to me. But it's I bet it's a lot to learn. Yeah, I showed her one of those videos, and she's like, "No, that's I'm." Yeah. I can't understand anything they're saying. That's too. It's too much. It's too too much. Too fast. Obviously, if she uh, totally loses her vision, then she's going to have to do something like that. But for now, she's getting along. So yeah, you got to do know. something, I'm, John. You can't. You can't live like this. You already got all those problems with your hands. Like you don't need your eyes working against you too. Here's the most frustrating thing. Well, so yeah, with my contacts on the the I we talked. I talked to the strategy with my eye doctor. Who I said, "What should I do in the meantime when I'm waiting?" I didn't know it would be two or three weeks, but I was like, for the next two days, it's like, well, here. Last time I got contacts, we intentionally gave me like a thing that my mother also did in her past, which is you get one contact for close and one contact for uh, for far. So like your left eye is the close up eye and your right eye is the far eye. And you're relying on the magic of the human brain. To you're being swap serious. Them. That's a thing people that do. That is absolutely a thing. Yeah. I cannot think of a faster way to give me a wanging headache. You would think so, but your brain like just Compensates. adjusts to it. Right. It yeah. just it just figures it out. You don't have to do anything about it. You just like live your life and you give it no conscious thought whatsoever. And it seems a little weird at first, but then eventually you just get used to it. And the magic right. is that now you can see your phone and you can see far away. Right. Because, because my it's not too far off. Like my range I'm is just out of range. Right. So, that, so we crank down one of my things to be the close eye and one of them to be the far eye. But even even the one that I crank down is still like within the legal limit for driving. You know what I mean? Like it's not. Mm-hmm. A, a huge distance uh for away from it so the strategy for now is like okay the one eye that we gave you that was the close eye just put that in both of your eyes so i'm putting my lowest prescription in both of my eyes and with this prescription <sighs> my computer screen right now that's like an arm's length away is crystal clear huh. and i can drive with these too because they're still within the range i just can't see my freaking phone I went through a much, 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 much less severe version of this when I first got progressive lenses. So I've always been, I always get it wrong. I want to say farsighted. And I do have my prescription right here, but I don't know how to read it. I got a severe cylinder axis, dist VA. And Look for the, uh, the numbers that are like negative something between like one and. Well, so like for example, right eye, I got negative 0.5 cylinder DS axis, nothing, dist, dist VA 2020, add plus two, which I'm guessing is the correction for something but plus two sounds like reading glasses mm. long story short at some point so i know i've got astigmatism where my my eyes ain't all round mm-hmm. or spherical yep um but uh at some point in i don't know 10 15 years ago uh this well yeah so like your your vision is actually your your vision at a distance is okay and not getting that much worse but your vision close up is not as great. No, my vision distance is also awful, but it's getting well, but better. The, my, my, my point was that there, there was a reason that I got progressive lenses, which which was that my for year for as long as I could remember, my vision up close was not that much of a problem, but now it was a problem. So progressive lenses to the rescue. And it's a really interesting idea, which is that the top, not a third exactly, but just there's three, imagine three parts, roughly. The top-ish part, if you're looking straight ahead as one would in the distance, is the cor- part that corrects for vision at a distance. There's an, a DMZ in the middle that's just glass where nothing happens. And then below where you would think of like bifocals v- being, that's where it cor- corrects for up close. So there's there's cost and benefits to this. There's ups and downs. On the one hand, you don't have to have two pairs of glasses. If you really need like both of those corrections, it progressives can be kind of cool because you still see fine from this. And then you just have to remember that, and I'm, this is this is the point of why I'm saying this, it does take some time to get used to that weird new experience of having three different 
corrections in your glasses. And if you're like me, you eventually learn you need to hold something exactly here and it will be crystal clear. A little tiny bit closer to my face than I would like, but it's just super crystal clear given the lower third. But the reason I mentioned it here is that, boy, that was really hard to adjust to. Remember like when you're a little kid and you put on your family member's glasses and the floor seems like it's half a mile away? It was like that and the opposite of that for the first couple of weeks. But I did eventually get used to it. Now I'm grateful for it. And with all of that said, I generally take off my glasses when I'm using the computer because it's neither fish nor fowl. It's like I actually see better from two feet away with no glasses mm-hmm. because it's in that middle middle ground yeah. between those two corrections. Does that make sense? Yeah, and your, and your vision sounds like it's barely bad. I've, I've, I've lived my whole sort of life uh, you know, as from you know, here like we third go. Or fourth grade here on, here we go. Not All being right. able to see anything in the distance, like, and it's kind of in some ways, it's kind of like a comforting haze. Like the entire world outside of your arm's length is vague. It's like might as well not even be really there because it's so blurry, right? This is when I was like a negative six, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other part of that, the part I I took for granted was that you know, with no correction whatsoever, I can see up close perfectly. Right? You need me to thread a needle. You need me to read a little text on the back of a watch battery. Like, I'm your guy, right? And that's always been that way. It's like, okay, I need my glasses to see anything past my length of my arm. But up close stuff, I don't need any glasses for that. My vision, when I wake up in the morning and look at the my hand two feet from my face, yeah. perfectly clear. Hmm. But as we all know, you get older, you start yep. to lose that too. So the past few years, instead of being able to read things two inches from my nose, now they have to be four. Like, what's going Ooh. on? Why can I, I'm bringing it closer to me. Why can't I focus on two inches? I can only it's not focus just. four. It doesn't seem just. It does not seem just. You're right. Because like, this is the one thing I had. I'm really fogging in the morning. So I get up, it's dark out. My phone is still on um, uh, night gold. What's it, what's it called? Uh, pretty, pretty light. What's it called? Eye saver. What's it called? Uh, night shift. Golden? Night shift. Still on night shift. And it looks like I'm looking at it through a lasagna. And so... If I don't, I don't keep my glasses by the bed, so generally I have to go into control center, whatever it's called, control panel, <laughs> and, and jack up the text to be able to read it. And then later in the day, like if I haven't looked at my phone for a while and I turn it, I'm like, wow, that that's, looks crazy. Yeah. But, I, you know, I do love that we've abstracted. You go back to think about the, when the, not the, not the early days of CSS, but the just slightly past the early days of CSS and like, before we got all Zeldman about this stuff and abstracted all the pieces in the stack. And it's like, I think it's amazing how far we've come with that stuff and how, how if when that stuff is done well, as it is, I believe mostly on iOS, like it's, I'm so glad that that's available. You know, everybody needs that. It, you, if you don't need it now, you will, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm glad that's easy, but you know, this is a little bit part of just getting older though, is accepting that, that this kind of thing happens, but the three weeks I, I couldn't get with that. How are you? I, you need you need to escalate this. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm I'm limping along. You'll see how it goes, or not. You may not see it all. Like the main problem is my stupid phone, right? Because you're like, well, who cares? Why do you ever need to look at your phone? You're looking at your computer all day, and you can wear you can. Why don't you just wear contacts all day? Well, aside from the fact that I don't really like the feeling of contacts being worn all day, I obviously I, what I've discovered is that me reading stuff off my phone is a really big part of my life, right? Yeah. It's not optional. There's when I would go through those phases in the last few years of like having like, okay, Sundays, I'm not going to pick up a device until noon. And it's like, well, but you need that first stuff. It's not just 
Pokemon Go. Like there's stuff you have to do with your device. And sometimes it's like in preparing for tonight's challenge, which I didn't really do very well. But when when this was still mostly a drawing challenge, I how am I going to look at this copy of drawing on the uh, right side of the brain, like as I'm drawing on my iPad? You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's times where you do need two devices. Yeah. I needed three devices today getting all this junk set up. I mean, part of it is like that's like my my breaks from like my day of work or whatever, like when I'm you know working on my I have a laptop for work and I have my big computer. Right. And then when I go when I have lunch. Right. That's that's my break where I can decompress a little bit, right? And so yep, I'm, yep, you yep. know, everyone's in our house. I'm eating at my my you know kitchen table or whatever. And during that time when I eat, I'll be reading Twitter on my phone. It's of part of you know I'm eating reading Twitter on my phone, right? No, uh, no judgment here. No judgment. Can't read Twitter on my phone while I'm eating my lunch that's because I can't see my phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, well, where happened? You're not missing much, just for what it's worth. No, I like Twitter. I enjoy, I enjoy my yeah, Twitter. It's fine. Um, it's fine. But like, I, and I feel deprived of that, right? And like, what happens is the Twitter builds up all day long, and then I finally take my contacts out at night, and now I'm you know 400 tweets behind, <laughs> and I'm a Twitter completionist, and it's really, completionist. really messing uh-huh. with my yeah. my mojo. Yeah, you got to do something about that. Yeah. Well, by that, by the next time we record, I should have my glasses back. Um, what I'm debating now is: do I bother waiting for the insurance to reset so I can get my driving glasses, or do I just immediately? This is not a rally, John. There's no. You don't get extra points for exactly nailing it. You need to throw resources at this. What if this gets as bad as I think it's going to get? I'm just saying. Like, you can't go three months I mean, without glasses. I, I. That's the other thing. I don't know. Uh, like what it's going to be like with these computer glasses. Will they be sufficient for me to do everything in my life except drive? Or will they only be good for me to use the computer and if I want to see across the house? Uh, see, this is how they get you. This is how they get you. I'm telling you, pretty soon you're going to have six pairs of glasses. Mm. <laughs> you're going to need phone glasses. You know? <laughs> my phone glasses, my computer glasses, my eating glasses, and my driving eating glasses. glasses. Your blogging glasses. You call, you call somebody out because you just want your oven to work better, and then your oven doesn't work anymore. Trust your mechanic, John. Get more glasses. Well, my, my eyes don't work. That's the problem. Well, it's your problem. You do that. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. You know, I, I, I sometimes think, you know, what, what can't you do with Squarespace? You know, so certainly there are some things you can't do with Squarespace. It's probably not going to fix your car. It's, it's not going to make your, uh, your, your Thanksgiving turkey bird. But pretty much everything else, if it happens on the internet, it can happen with Squarespace. Whatever you want to do. If you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog... Whatever it is you want to do, you click, you drag, you drop, it's Squarespace. It's an all-in-one platform, lets you do whatever you need to do. Nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades were ever needed. You, my friend, do not have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. It is, I believe, what makes them Squarespace is the coverage. You know, uh, if you ever have any uh, trouble, you're in a jam, they have, uh, they have great documentation and 24 by 7 customer support, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name for your new home on the web. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Big fan of Squarespace. Uh, I, I use them uh, not every day, but every week. I mean, I, it's where I put the Roderick on the Line podcast. That's on Squarespace. My personal site's Squarespace. So many of the things I visit, I go and I notice, hey, this gorgeous website turns out it's Squarespace. Oh, boy, we've come a long way from all those, those all-flash restaurant websites. There's people out there doing it for themselves with Squarespace, and there's no reason that you can't join them in that. 
the plans uh, for Squarespace start at just $12 per month. But right now you can go and start a trial with no credit card required. You just go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. And when you decide to sign up, use our very special offer code diffs, D-I-F-F-S. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. And it will show your support for John Craig Syracuse. Once again, you go to squarespace.com slash diffs, offer code diffs, 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, this is one of our, well, let's see, we do have some follow-up. Let's just, can we mention uh, it's Challenge Week in passing? It's or Bonus Week? What do you call this, it? See, we talked about this last week. This Did show we? does not have challenges. That is another property. This show has a lot of challenges. Our relationship has a lot mm-hmm, of challenges. Mm-hmm. What we have is topics for the after show, which you get to listen to if you're a member. You just want to be remembered for one thing. Is that so much to ask? Go to relay.fm slash rd. Nobody ever, nobody ever said topics before you. Um, and if you are a member, you get a special feed where the episode goes on a little bit longer. And in the final portion of the episode, we we have a topic uh, and something to, to talk about and do. You, the, you generate a lot of work for me for something called a topic. I Well, that's what I'm saying. We did a bunch that were a lot of work recently where we're like, oh, we were recommending songs to each other and letting listeners recommend songs. And then we were listening to them and putting clips of the songs in it. it was, we were downloading songs. We were finding songs. We were editing songs, two versions of songs, put in the folder, redact, rub off the labels. Poor Jim. Poor yeah. Jim doesn't know what he's doing over there. We've got, we right. got, got no soup. But that so that topics. was a lot of work. But what I, I we didn't want to get into the the mindset of like they don't all have to be like that. They can just be topics. All we're doing is an extra portion of the show, right? Mm. And so this oh, week, slice, this week's yeah. episode, it is one of the very special episodes. And our topic, not challenge, but topic, challenge. is going to be uh, talking about drawing and art. You call it that. I I, I call it I call it uh, yeah, making art. The impulse to make art, which also covers drawing. Right. And if you wanted to do something related to that before the show, that's fine. But if you didn't, we just need a topic to talk about. Oh. Anyway. Um, oh, my gosh. Follow- thank you. It's so nice of you in the middle of recording to lay down exactly what the parameters are. It's so nice of you to share that with me. Now, I shared it with you at the end of last well, episode. I don't know if you did. It's a recorded podcast that was released that you can go listen to and find the part where I said we have a topic, not a challenge. We do, we do that. That was me. Okay. Um, anyway, this is weird to be doing follow-up for this. But uh, one of the, because this is a follow-up to the members-only portion, but Part of the challenge is we got uh, song suggestions from listeners. Uh, Many songs were suggested, and and then we picked our favorites. One of my favorites that was suggested was this really weird song uh, called Library Takeout. And video. The video was part of the fun. It was like a funny slash serious song describing what is required to take items out of the library. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, And it has a really fun YouTube video. And I had wondered aloud on the show, uh, how did this come to be? Because all we had was a title and then... Uh, link to it on YouTube, and it was affiliated with like Duke or whatever. Um, so, someone I forget who it was sent along a link to an article in the Duke Chronicle that explains the origins of Library Takeout. We will put this link in the show notes. If you would like to see Library Takeout, the YouTube video, and un- and learn how it came to be, this is the article for you. You're not going to read it to him. You're not going to read the excerpt you have here in the document. No, I mean it's it's straightforward. It's like the the someone who affiliated with a library was inspired mm. to make a song about taking stuff. It's exactly what you think it's going to be like, but mm. if you want to know more about it, I, it's mostly just for people who aren't members who didn't hear the after show and then didn't get to hear library takeout. There'll be a link in the regular show notes for this episode and you'll be able to hear library takeout. Hmm. There you have it. Relay.fm slash RD. Give Syracuse your money. Computer glasses lifestyle. 
Okay, we got computer glasses. We got theme nights. Oh, so what do we got down here for topics? What are you going to spring on me? Snapshots. We've, we've had projects. this in the top for a while. Um, Merlin's projects. You mm, keep okay. talking about your projects on many different shows, but yeah. uh, what remains unclear to me is what what is a project and how is it different from the things you've always done? Why why has Merlin's pro- projects become top of mind for you? Why do you keep talking about it? Can you explain mm-hmm, your projects? I can drive. Um, you know, there's a, the, I think <sighs> this might be from that big binder project managers have to learn, but, um, I, this is, this is very, a very pedestrian, but useful definition. So like, you know, one of those terms that's not meaningless, but might as well be meaningless special projects. Well, that's like jumbo shrimp or something or military intelligence. I don't know. A, a project is in and of itself, something that's a separate endeavor than the day to day that we do in whatever we do. So, you know, some, I guess for a lot of people, a project could be, well, in the world of David Allen uh, and getting things done, a project is a, is a, is an outcome that has a series of action steps to accomplish, to finish it. I think of a project as something, when I say projects, my projects, I, I have little things that I like to work on that represent it may be part of my infrastructure world. It might be part of my work world, but it's something outside the sort of day to day. Like I would not consider writing show notes for the show to be a like a project, let alone a special project. That's just part of what I do. And it doesn't even have to be anything that special, but sometimes I like to undertake a little short term. Mm, so hard to use the word definition without using the word definition. I like to take on a little thing that'll keep my hands busy, keep my mind busy, and give me an outcome that I would like. And I have lots of things like that. I'm not really defining this very well, am I? A project is, a, for me, a, a project in the way that I use it is it is something in some ways that keeps the demon dogs at bay, but it's some kind of a thing that involves a little bit of planning, a little bit of doing, a little, often a little bit of iteration, a little bit of trying different things. Uh, so perhaps just to give some examples. Right now, one of my projects is curtains which seems like a very pedestrian project because it is, but long story short, uh, I can't get into it, but long story short, I had reason uh, to, to wish some curtains upon my office studio space. Basically there was some changes to the structure of the building caused me to have a lot more sun lighting up the room, but also heating up the room. Is it like Kenny Rogers roasters? (laughs) It makes a pretty strong bird. Like right across from your window now. Yeah. I'm on no sleep. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, basically within like two, two, and admittedly it was this, this structural change happened at a time when it was unusually warm here, dare I say hot by San Francisco standards. And my, my office was really like climbing up and I could not get enough fans and ventilation to make it comfortable. Understand. I grew up in Florida. It was the worst. I used to have to bring a change of clothes to school, right? Just because setting aside PE, I, I, it was just, I hated being hot. And I was un- unhappy so much in my life because I was hot. But also, you know, my life was difficult. But I don't like being hot. I don't like being uncomfortable. I'd rather be cool than hot. So, for example, like, but then, so how does it become a project? Well, this, this is such a dumb example, but you asked. Okay, so in that case, it's like, well, let's start with the problem statement. Ah, office too hot. What do we do? Well, do I move the building? Do I turn it slightly sideways? Do I put down some sod on the windows? Like, what do I do? Well, you know, one solution would be, and I tried some different things. Like I say, running some fans, doing some things. And it was becoming clear that like the big source of the heat, in my opinion, was the sun that was now coming in 
especially in the afternoon, in a way that it didn't before. So how does this become a project? Well, it becomes a project when I go, huh, I think there's an improvement opportunity here, as I like to say. So I begin with, I wish my office were less hot and sunny. And if I want to take a nap on my couch, I don't want the sun hitting me in the face. And so I tried some experiments, like some initial, like very scientific experiments with, okay, what happens if I put up these very sheer old disused Ikea, not even drapes, just almost shears, Mm, doesn't do much. Well, pretty soon this is coming in to being a real project because guess what else? Hey, I wonder if there's anything to be gained from heavier curtains that could do some sound dampening. Okay, how do you put them up? I don't know. Well, I'm gonna have to think about the ways that you mount curtains. And guess what? That leads me to, hey, I got a drop ceiling, you know, with those tiles and like the little structures that the tiles sort of rest on. Some research, I discovered there's all kinds of things that you can get to attach to those that lets you hang things from them like curtain things. You, you Hopefully you're seeing where I'm going with this. Well, that again, that iteration, I learned there's certain kinds of these that are better than other things. And I learned that here's my options. These kinds of hooks are really cheap. Yay. But they really suck. Boo. Get these 12 inch S hooks. Oh yeah. But you know what? 12 inches isn't long enough. PWSS. So I got some heavy duty 18 inch ones. Now, pretty soon I got a stew because now my project, which is unrolling slowly over time, is now I've got I've got all, all kinds of good curtain things going on, draped things. I can I can have a little bit more privacy. I can have a little more coolness, and God willing, I will also have it be just the tiniest bit less loud and clamorous. Uh, that's just one kind of example. Another one is the one we were just talking about a minute ago, which is like, and this is projects within projects within projects, which is, yeah, I have needs for media stuff, and so I try to look at like with my media needs stuff, like where am I now? That's interesting. Where do I want to be? That's super interesting. What are my constraints? Hmm. That puts a little bit of salt and pepper on the potato. It's like, so like, what am I going to do to do the things I want to do with media? That becomes a project. And so a project, you know, becomes like something I sort of kick off informally. They're almost all one person things. There's those kinds of things. There's all, I would just say that idea of um, improvement opportunities is where a lot of this happens. Setting aside that I like to keep my hands busy and keep the demon dogs at bay, for a few weeks ago, that was my get a chest freezer project, which sounds simple, right? You're just some rich guy. You go buy a chest freezer. No, I'm not a rich guy. I need to pick exactly the right one. Okay, we'll just get the big one. Nope, because it won't fit into the area that I have. How do I find the one that's in my budget, the size that I want, et cetera? Is this making sense? Part of the project is deciding what the project is. It's the ultimate kind of Peter Drucker knowledge work. And then there's just... If it's going well, the just like really satisfying experience of making an improvement in, in your life, your work, your environment by iterating and by learning. And then by the next project is figuring out what else I can change while I'm doing this or what else does this teach me about what could be better. And I'm just, I'm forever trying to look for those opportunities because it does keep the demon dogs at bay. And I love a project and it gives me chances to use spreadsheets. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's what I do. I had the resource leveling project not too long ago. I got the improving the audio project. These are all little things nobody but me needs to know about, but it gives me great joy to not only just control a space physically, but also to control like a little bit of mental space. One of those projects is playlists. Playlists are about all that keeps me sane these days. And so those are little projects. Questions? Have you, have you cranked up that my impression from you discussing your project is that this is a 
that you've if, if if this is not a recent phenomenon that you've turned up the dial on projects to deal with you know just general stress of 2020 is that the case um probably yes no absolutely not even probably yes yes um but a lot of i came by a lot of that honestly again let's go back to <clears throat> the early days of this interminable uh period we're living through right now you know, we go back to February, March, and we had to realign a lot about how we do pretty quickly. Now, with with that said, we are very, very fortunate to have, you know, rooms in a house and computers and fast internet and all those kinds of things. But, I mean, there was still, like, in retrospect, like, because we were all sort of shocked into the COVID times in some ways, like, we had to get the stiff upper lip in some ways and just, like, make it all happen. But um, as I've discussed at length, and I imagine over the months, what's led you to this question is like, well, there's a lot of stuff we've had to do. You know, for the longest time, our pantry's been a mess and it didn't matter. But now suddenly it matters more for our pantry to not be a mess because we're we're cooking more. We, we have like more kind of supplies, sergeant stuff that we need to do. And because life is an engineering problem, every project you take on leads to other projects. There's one project that always, almost always leads to another project, meaning like if we do these things, if we acquire new things, get rid of old things, then there's another project of like, get rid of the stuff, donate the stuff. It just, it's all, it all becomes kind of connected. And but no, it has definitely ramped up, especially as I've given myself a little bit more permission and runway to say that like making these seemingly silly improvements to my and my family's life is, is valuable and, and good. And not just for my own mental health, but for like, if there's more stuff that I can put on autopilot, if there's more stuff, if there's things that are, that are, that I'm overthinking right now that I can put on autopilot, that's good. If there's things on the other hand that have been on autopilot for too long, maybe it's time to think about it. And that's again, another kind of project is like turning over in my mind, all the things on the tiny, tiny life improvement list or on the mosquito task list, all the things that can be brought to bear to remove unnecessary friction to make room for good friction. Yeah, I, I, but what you described uh, sounds, I, I mean, sounds to me, it maybe sounds to, to listeners as well, like just the normal course of life. It's, I think it's just a matter of degree because everybody, I feel like, encounters all the things you described is just about density. Like, all right, well, so, you know, last year, remember when we changed the curtains and we, you know, dealt with all the things you described? Sure, right. Um, but, if you have a project like if you have seven of those projects like that and they're all going simultaneously and you know when one ends another one picks up right where it left off that i feel like is a is the dial cranked up because i mean maybe there are people who don't who who sort of uh don't invest the kind of effort you just described with anything like a project they still do the same thing they still can't say this room is hot because they they can't they can't be troubled to care about their life <laughs> well no it was like sometimes i mean sometimes people have you know I, part of it is like look if you're you know if your family's starving to death you're not worried so much about uh the you know or you do the first thing comes to mind like i'll just get i'll just get a cheap air conditioner and throw it in a window or i'll just you know mm, not yeah, go to, like like hi, basic hierarchy of needs stuff yeah or no, i'll just not go to the office anymore or whatever like, i think we've all done that to some degree with lots of stuff related to covid but um everyone has some kinds of projects it's just a question of like are you what you sound like is you're you're actually looking for projects because you know i feel all reasons you stated having having control making improvements everybody should be looking for projects because if not the project will find you right that goes right down to the timing belt all of those things like but like okay let me let me give you a reframe on that 
is that well, and I, I'm not. I don't mean to sound defensive about this, but you know, there's 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 a terrible affliction uh, to modern life uh, that really bums me out, which is that if I don't like the same thing that you like in the way that you like it, I reject it. Now, I can think of something that I don't like, and I don't really particularly understand why people like it, but I can guess why. Let's look at the game of golf. Do I like the game of golf? No. I think golf is a terrible idea. I think there's all kinds of things about golf. I could give you half a dozen reasons that I think golf is the worst. But here's what I do know. I do know that some people like it. Does everybody like golf the same way for the same reason? I'm going to say no, and let me give you some examples. You know what I like about golf? I get to get away from my family. You know what I like about golf? I get to drink. You know what I like about golf? I get to spend some time in the sun. You know what I like about golf? I get a chance to network with people who are more rich and powerful than I am. You know what I like about golf? Is there drinking in golf? And um, maybe it's that (laughs) you enjoy. Maybe it's that you. (sighs) There's the lady that drives a cart around the entire time. When you're doing the golfing, not like back at the clubhouse. (laughs) You got me. I made it up. And um, have you been? What golfing? else do you like about golf? I'm, what I'm trying to say, John, is just get my back on this. Is that and why? Why do we like to do different things, or why do we tolerate different things? It's like who knows why? Moments snap together like magnets. But like you know, so if you're some, so the thing is though, for you and I to reach an accord on this, we just have to both agree we like golf. It doesn't matter why we both like golf. Now we're pals. You know, you know, Alexander, what are you thinking about candy? You know, that kind of thing. You can make friends just because you both like candy. And I, I'm not criticizing you here, but what I am saying is like. There is a kind of how dare you idea to thinking that life is worth caring about uh, based on how fortunate you think you are. Everything's a project. If I had had the presence of mind to treat the timing belt like a project instead of a nuisance I wanted to push away because I didn't want to spend the money, we would have saved a lot of money. Isn't that an ironic thing? It's a lot like golf. So in all of these cases, I don't think I'm just generating busy work for myself. And if I were generating busy work, I would be okay with it. It's just that, I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's also that like there, there's, there's always more things that you can do, but think about the things you and I talk about. How many years did we have Christmas mornings before it occurred to me to bring a contractor bag into the room where we're opening presents way more than you would expect. And now you and I both take stuff like that as the most obvious thing in the world. Ask yourself this, how many people listening to the show have been doing that same thing for 20 years? Probably not a lot, but well, I'll bet you this, I'll bet you Christmas morning, there's going to be at least half a dozen people who listen to this show that will pull a contractor back into the lounge because your dumb, entitled, privileged friends, John and Merlin, both like that kind of golf. And now I'm going to think about that. So not to sound defensive, but I'm a little defensive because it seems to me that like almost anytime somebody decides that their life is worth improving, they're, they're set upon by all kinds of people who say, well, you're not, you're not allowed to care about that. Doesn't that cost money? Well, I guess... But like, you know, there's all kinds of stuff you don't want to have to do in life. And if you could make it into something that's not a harrowing experience for you, and you could turn it into a project that works for your mental model for the world, what greater gift could there be? If you, As long as you like playing golf with these three other people, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter necessarily why you each like it. Some people, are, some people bone down because they want to finish. Other people bone down because they want to cuddle. Some people just like to smoke, but like, I I do feel like it's important in life to like get okay with how you are and then to almost like a border collie in search of a child to pull back in the yard. You need, you need to hitch that, hitch your horse to some kind of a wagon that produces something useful and, and much like a Ted Lasso character helps you figure out what your place in this arrangement is over. Yeah. This, uh, it reminded me of the, uh, 
there are so many uh, bad dad stereotypes that I assume we all learned from sitcoms when we were kids or wherever we get them from. But one of one of the, <laughs> yes, one of the bad dad stereotypes D- dad is the dad in the garage kind who, of thing. The dad who's always looking for a project in the house, and obviously sometimes it's like okay, that's great. I would you know the the one one stereotype from like the fifty sitcom is is the wife that would complain that the husband never fixes anything around the house. Everything's broken. <laughs> like you know why why is the door squeaky? This thing doesn't work. The car is broken down. Why are you not doing this? But the other one is the dad who's constantly fix quote unquote fixing everything because the dad loves to fix stuff. As, yeah, he's got as, tools and he wants to use them. Right. And then at a certain point, the house is all set. Like nothing needs to be fixed anymore. And really he should move on to the yard or the tying belt or something else. But instead he's right. trying to find something new to do to the house. Like what if we put another door here and, and the rest of the family's like, no, don't put another door there. You know, I think we could use a, th- we could really use a third could use a third birdhouse. <laughs> yeah, like we don't we don't need that. Like, but right. they just you know, and it's like this the project energy. Like people sometimes people have lots of project energy, and I feel like directing the project energy is an important part of having the project energy because mm-hmm. if you direct it, I mean, you don't want to you know you don't want to be the stereotypical dad who directs it in a place that you think is making your life better, but really is annoying everyone else in your family where something else that could benefit from that project energy is just you know because it's a thing you don't want to do like you example like you just the, the thing you just keep putting off like the timing belt or whatever because that doesn't interest you but it's now like this festering problem and they're like don't stop putting right. in new doors in the house and deal with the timing belt and it's like but i really like making doors <sighs> right yeah no I, that's that's fair um but the let's see what was my point i was going to try to make um, I, I, I am not here to stand for this. I am not here to defend this or there's a book I read, uh, I think in college by this guy from Menlo park. Uh, long story short, he has this model for creativity. That's meh, it's, it's not entirely, um, his own idea. It's not a unique idea, but he has a model for understanding creativity that I found very bracing. And it's this, imagine that there's basically f- four people that are working on your, if you like project. And I think this is not so far off somebody like Twyla Tharp or like a lot of different people and how they think about creativity, but his basically basic model of creativity and, and please go easy on me here is that there are, imagine these four characters that are helping you with your project. You have, let me get this right. You've got an explorer, an artist, a judge, and a warrior, explorer, artist, judge, warrior. And that's just, this is a metaphor. So go with me. What, what's the explorer's job? The explorer's job to go out and find things uh should they evaluate and implement those things nope that's not what explorers do the explorers just bring all the artifacts back to the museum in some ways um another way the next next person in that in that chain is the the artist the artist is going to figure out what we can make out of the things that we've collected and explored uh uh at that point decides like what 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 is this what am i making here is this any good is this anything and that's what the judge comes in the judge comes in and says like whether that is or isn't a good thing based on factors and then finally you've got the warrior and the warrior is the person who implements what that thing is now i know this is a dumb dumb analogy but i'm gonna tell you why it was important to me it's because if you understand that to be almost like a relay race so like the explorer hands something off to the artist, the artist hands something off to the judge, the judge to the to the warrior or what have you, different names for this. But what I love about that is unlike a relay race, at any point you can hand that baton back. So the explorer hands it to the artist and the artist says, mm, we kind of need, we need more here. We need, we need to, we need to like gather more materials. And that's a very Twilight Tharp thing. 
like I'm I'm writing a jukebox. I'm like choreographing a jukebox video about William Joel. So like I'm just throwing things into Becker's boxes and putting it on shelves. And eventually I'll figure out what it all means. Um, right further to that, at any point, you hand it to the judge and go, is this cool? And the judge goes, hmm, why don't you make a little more art out of this? Why don't let's go back and like, and then it, again, it can always go all the way back to the explorer to get to the, the warrior who's going to implement it. And the idea is that each one of those people has an important psychological and emotional role. One person's job is just to be curious. Another person's job is to just be creative, if you like. It's another person's job to just be to the extent possible steely-eyed about whether, whether and how this is good. And then, you know, when you hand it off to the, the implementer, you just want pure implementation. Unless they discover something about it that makes it need to go back up the line. I think that it's a silly model that would be easy to mock, but I found it really valuable because I am the sort of person that not only mixes up those roles, I might have 19 roles like that in no particular order, and I would have no mental model for knowing that that this isn't ready yet or knowing that this is not good to implement, right? So if, if you just instead go, <laughs> if you go like, uh, think about how many people, as long as we're writing this dumb metaphor, think about how many people are way, way, moving things to the warrior or the implementer, whatever, way before they're done exploring. And it's not good, right? Or think about somebody who's judging it before on the first hour of exploring. Well, with a mental model like that, you say to yourself, wait, pump the brakes, man. We're not even to the point, there's nothing to judge yet. There's nothing for you to judge. So like, think about how many people procrastinate or they just can't get something accomplished because they're so ruthless about looking at everything they do, they can't even give themselves permission to be silly or they can't give themselves permission to have give their brain some fecundity and, and room to grow a little bit. So like, that's the kind of mental model that I wish everybody could find some way to implement in some part of their life. Not least because like, it can be really satisfying to figure out, you know, is, is everything really a nail or, or do you just like using a hammer? But also the opportunities inside of opportunities. Because when you're being truly creative and generative, your mind is open to the idea. There's, you have a plasticity to the way you're thinking that enables you to say like, maybe there's other things I can pick up along the way. And you know what, John, that leads to me doing stuff like, hey, if I'm taking something to the garage, that's just, I can hold in one hand. Why wouldn't I take two things to the garage and use two hands? And when I go to the garage, why don't I say to myself, what do I grab to bring up? So boring, so pedestrian, such a dad thing. But like, that's, that's my gig. That's not everybody else's gig. What is, like, what is your gig? Like, how do you get excited about setting yourself to a task that takes your numerous disabilities and liabilities in life and turns it into something that could be useful? Projects. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by SaneBox. You can learn more about SaneBox right now by visiting sanebox.com slash diffs. You know, you ask a lot of people out there, what is the biggest time waster uh, at their at their job? I would say at the office, but uh, you know, now your your bedroom might be your office. And what's wasting your time? Well, I think a lot of people are going to say it's email. You know, it, it's certainly a source of a lot of distraction and a lot of noise, a lot of interruption. I should really write more about that. You know, a recent study found that almost 50% of the time that managers spend at work is spent tending to their inboxes on emails that should never have been sent to them or they didn't need to answer. This is the worst. But what if you could just press a magic button, a magic button, never see those time-wasting emails again? 
Well, that's exactly what SaneBox does. With just a few clicks and drags, SaneBox auto-magically gets your email under control. It really is wild. You just drag something into a folder and SaneBox learns. Not, nothing special to do. The, the button is really your hand. They, they can just have that. You just put it in, just put it where you need, need to put it. It filters out all the messages that don't need your focus. Your focus needs to go other places. You don't even have to switch email apps because SaneBox works in whichever email client you already use. It has nifty features like the Sane Black Hole where you can vanquish senders you never want to hear from again and sane reminders for sending email reminders to your future self. That's so cool. And this, is a really, this is a really cool service. I've, I've uh, used this in the past. Uh, at times when I had a larger volume of email, especially, it was incredibly useful to me. I think a lot of the smarts of this comes from learning which recipients or rather which senders uh, are valuable and which ones are not. And it's real good at learning that. And then on top of it all, it sends you a little digest to say, hey, did I get this right? And it lets you uh, correct it. It's, it's really, really good. It can, it can really help you get your life under control. And right now you can go see how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox. You go and get a free two-week trial. Nothing wrong with that. Just go to SaneBox.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Go there today. Go now. Start your free trial and get a $25 credit. One last time, sanebox.com slash diffs, S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash diffs. Our thanks to Sanebox for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Your description of all the, uh, whatever was the four people and you have sometimes roles, 19 yeah. of them, I feel like that, that description of having lots of those different roles, but without the structure, like they're all just in there doing their thing more or less simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of the situation where you may have a lot of energy and you're doing a lot of things, but they're, you're not progressing. Like you're not, <laughs> you're not, you're not incrementally you're never, moving. You're never like pushing it into third gear. You're just you're, like revving really hard. Right. Exactly. There's a lot of activity and that, you know, even if you just take those four, the, you know, the explorer is exploring and the judge is judging and you're doing all, but, but they're all doing them simultaneously without cooperation. And so you're not, you're not making progress towards an end point. Instead, you are just spinning your gears, spinning mm -hmm. them potentially fast. Potentially there's some good gear action going on there, but because they're not working in concert. Yeah, but you're generating more more heat than light. Yeah, yeah. And, and you see a lot of that with projects that, I don't know, if, 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 you, don't, if you don't acknowledge it as a project, like say, there's a lot of things, that, you know, in, you know, sort of festering sores in our house, like that just... You know you don't have time to do that project, but it still exists, and occasionally you bump up against it, and some of your gears mm -hmm. start grinding, but not in a yeah. progressive, constructive way. And then you just ignore it some more, and then go back to it, and try. And then all you end up doing is just, I don't know, shifting it around and churning things, but not actually, you know, because because you, you never did sign up for the project. You're like, oh, that I, that project I'll do someday, right? Yeah, but you're not you're not in any particular phase of that. But this mm -hmm. also gets us to I think uh, as long as we're talking about BS creative theories, it's also to me becomes very relevant with regard to Csikszentmihalyi's, uh, you know, matrix of like flow state and creativity, where like we look at we're at our most creative when we're facing a very challenging problem that we're also very capable at. And there's, you can go read about this, or I've talked about this. Lots of people talked about this, but like we are, but like if you can imagine an, an X and a Y axis where like the Y axis, let's say the Y axis is how difficult something is and the X axis is how good you are at the thing. Well, 
and then there's a, there's an emotional state associated with all those different basically it's like an alignment chart all those different things so you might be really good at tagging mp3s um but that's not very challenging and so you know what that is that's relaxing that's a state of relaxation if you are doing something that's extremely challenging but you're not very good at that's going to be frustrating so like how do you figure out how to align those things and the reason i mention that here is that I, this is where i think you talked about grinding your gears or like getting frustrated um I also think fear is another way to think about it. Like those little, those four little characters we talked about can also be seen as if you're hung up in one place, ask yourself what you're scared of right now. Because a lot of people do not like being in the exploration stage because that's so poorly defined. Well, that's the idea. If it were, if it were well-defined, it wouldn't be the explorer. Like, <laughs> right. So people who are scared of that kind of uncertainty may want to cut short the exploration process. People scared of being unmoored from a certain outcome might not want to be in the creative or artistic phase. People who are scared of failing might get really hung up about how they do, or, you know, or of looking like a failure. I mean, you know, I, I'm acquainted with people whom I love very much who like being right and don't like being wrong and would worry about if I don't judge this fast, somebody else will. That's a bummer. Like, give yourself more time with that. And then in terms of the implementation stuff, well, if it's really fun for you to go back here and play in the sandbox, you're not going to be a fearless warrior in impl implementing this. So like at each one of those stages, there are these questions to ask yourself. I'm not sure how I got here from projects, but I just, I don't know. I just feel like, um, I don't know. I feel a lot of things. I, I do feel like, uh, to get back to your pseudo original question now, like why do these things? Well, because it makes life better for everybody. If we don't run out of, like, let's take a real dumb example. If we don't run out of toilet paper, it's going to be a better day than a worse day because just because people like having toilet paper and using it. And if we don't have toilet paper, it's nobody's fault but my own. Well, how do I develop a system that makes sure that, is it going to be a Kanban system? Is that a reminder system? Is that a what? Is, well, who cares? Well, somebody cares because you've got toilet paper, much like that Tom Hanks movie. Um, if you have toilet paper in your house, it's because somebody sweated it. You know, if you, if you don't know who the, who the worker in the room is, it's definitely not you. And so I just feel like for me, when I think about these systems, I think about these projects, I mean, that's just the way that my brain works. And I, if I'm going to have this crazy horse, I would love to have a way to strap it to something that, that's pulling a load that are, others will find useful. But yeah, I take your point, though. Like, nobody likes a dad who's just puttering for puttering's sake. And a lot of times, I mentioned that thing about like, oh, dad's got his workshop or his den, don't bother dad. I do think there is that kind of, you know, problem. but. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't have that much to offer the world. And so like, if I find a way to do something that takes my numerous emotional liabilities and turns them into a superpower, I'm more than happy to find a card for that horse to be attached to. I was thinking of the flip side of that. I can't remember the specifics, but there was, what, your wife got a new kitchen table or rearranged yeah. the, the, or like, and what if that was her project? What if the new kitchen table was her project? I stay as much as I can way out of the way of her projects. And if I, if, I, if I can be aware that my project is starting to get into her thing, like tonight, I'm pretty spread out right now in the living room to do this Mac thing. No, but I mean, like, I, I think everybody should get to have their own things. But it's also something where, like, I mean, the ultimate privilege is, like, having somebody where you can compensate for each other's shortcomings. You know what I mean? Like... I do feel like there are things where we're both really good at that. And then sometimes we get to be like the wonder twins and like 
you know, shape of an ice monkey or whatever. We're like, we're like, I was describing to you this thing, another thing we're doing right now. I don't want to go too deep on, but um, I think I was talking to you about this, where we can both draw on our experience as project managers, as different kinds of project managers. You know, she was more of like an event planner and boy, is that a hard job. And I was more of like trying to help people who make software get, get the resources they needed and the protection that they needed, you know, to make the good thing. But sometimes you, you really can come together on that and like, it is a very sort of synergistic, you know, two times two equals more than four. What's a project for you? Do you have, have you projects like this? And how do you know when something's a project? I have a, a lot of projects in waiting. They're like, I mean, maybe this is, you know, I, I don't know if it's a cue, but there's a lot of things I look around and I say, oh, that's going to be a project. And that's going to be a project. <laughs> that's going to be a project. My currently in flight projects tend to stay pretty small because I I find it relaxing when I when there's no in-flight project. So very often I will mm-hmm. finish a project and not pull another one off the shelf very mm-hmm. soon. Um, yeah, yeah. And this is... Nice to give yourself a minute to like just be done with that thing and there's nothing yeah. immediately. And, and these are projects yeah. of choice. Like, you know, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but like this past week our, our water heater died. That's a project <sighs> of not choice. You get no, you get no warning on those yeah. things. You got I, that project was assigned to me. I, you don't, cho- I didn't choose that, but guess what? Now you have a project and you, and you have a fairly urgent project. And yeah, so that, that is a recent project that had to be tackled, not by choice, but it's still, it, everything you just described is the same deal. Cause obviously you're just like, well, what's the big deal? You just got to get it fixed. Right. Well, but there's more, there's damage mitigation. There's mm-hmm. moving things around, pulling things up. And that has led to. I'm hoping it leads to and has led to some more projects because guess what? If water goes all over your basement and you have a rug in an area of your basement, you got to bring pull the rug up and guess what? There are things on top of the rug, so now you got to move all the things that are on top of the rug. And perfect, perfect example, like something you never, never would have or could have noticed except for the opportunity provided by that. Right, and now now we're moving things all over the place. And guess what? When you're moving things all over the place, you're like, God, we have a lot of stuff. We should get rid of some of this stuff. And guess what? Now we've already moved half of it around anyway, so we're 50%. It's, a, it's a tile puzzle made of tile puzzles. Yes, it's totally. And it's like, look. <laughs> if we're going to get this stuff out now is the time to do that project because we've already had to move things many things have gotten halfway to where they need to go what can i put in the garbage what can we sell what can we give away and so those are those are projects that were spawned from this unfortunate project of obligation um and then in the smaller levels like the miniature project every day of like what am i going to cook for dinner or whatever which is Mm -hmm. a boring project but it's still i mean everyone talks about you gotta eat you know that just it, it's for for us it's not that different because we always tended to make things and that's not to say we're good at it what it's to say is that even before covid it was annoying to deal with dinner so it's just as annoying as ever but it's still a project yeah when my when the head gasket on my uh the engine on my bus blew and my friend chris who was my sherpa my great pal and the guy who'd introduced me to the vw lifestyle he's like yeah i'll come over get some scissor jacks we'll pull it out we'll be able to do that but he was he was to me a, like a model um, of this kind of stuff, very organized guy. And, you know, he had, he had the Chilton book, he had the fixture VW book and he'd done this before. So he knew all the steps, but he was kind enough to kind of walk me through it in a phrase. I mean, you, you've heard me, I feel like you've definitely heard me say this probably is like, maybe it's time to move some furniture around. Or in this case, as long as we're taking the engine out of your bus, there's other things that we can do. Right. So like, if we're going to replace this gasket, well, there's these, I can't even remember now it's 30, years ago but you know what i'm saying like well if you're gonna pull the engine out of your automobile like why not use that opportunity to check on everything else that would benefit from being checked 
Here's one that I think about every day that's so dumb, but this represents a value in my life and it's so stupid. So we have um, a dehumidifier in our bathroom because left to its own devices, you know, it's pretty wet in there. And so, you know, I got a dehumidifier, it runs, it's, um, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm a fool for humidity, but like, it, it's really useful. It's nice, especially if you're the sort of person who throws towels on the floor and there's water everywhere, not naming names, but, um, it's a pretty small capacity dehumidifier. It doesn't run all the time and it's got modes, but you know, it, it, it needs to be emptied just about once a day, but not exactly once a day. So what does that mean? Well, it means I could let it fill up and beep in the middle of the night. Or I could check it and see if it needs to be emptied. But I don't do that. I check it. If I know it's been a while, because I'm usually the one who empties it. This is going to sound so dumb, but this is really, I want you guys to sit with this for a minute. So there's water accumulating in this thing. I'd rather it not beep. But, you know, it's not the end of the world if it does, but it's certainly not going to keep dehumidifying if we've just had two showers and then the thing starts running and people go to sleep. Well, that's not going to work very well. So I could check it and say, well, it's, it's almost empty. We're good. I could check it and say, well, it's almost full, but not quite. Or I could do what I do because I'm a hero, which is every time I check it, like my email, <laughs> every time I check it, I empty it. There is nothing to be lost from emptying that every time I check it, which to somebody out there is going to sound weird. Why don't you just wait until it's full? Why would I wait until it's full? If I have time to check it, I have time to empty it. That is the tiniest little dumb microcosm of how my brain works, which is like there are opportunities waiting for us everywhere. And just because you checked it doesn't mean you fixed it. If you're going to pull the engine, to change the gasket, look at all the other parts and make sure there's nothing else that needs to be replaced. And then build an infrastructure around that and do it properly. Get, get good scissor jacks. Be ready. Have good tools. You know what I mean? Uh, chop wood, carry water, all those kinds of things. It takes the most negligible amount of presence in mind and hustle, just tiny hustle, to like see surprisingly outsized improvements on, on your life. And it starts with giving a one of the projects that was thrust upon me, speaking of dehumidifiers, was our dehumidifier died. We've got one in the basement just to keep the humidity yeah. down. You have in the a basement. hose. You have the hose kind where it goes to the drain. Well, we had one that you had to empty, and it was a thing that I would do <laughs> yeah. every single day. Is you go down there and, and empty the dehumidifier sometimes multiple times a day, and it's just you know it's just one of those things that you know. And you're going up and down the basement anyway of the laundry, like. But you know, every time you go down there, you look at the humidifier, and you know if it looks like it's getting full, you empty it or whatever. Um, it died. When we got a new one, my project was, I don't want to empty the humidifier anymore. So yeah, I got <laughs> yep. the one with the pump and a hose. And now it empties yeah, Todd, by itself. Todd has one of those too, yeah. And it is, it was such a great, it's talking about me, you know, tiny life exactly. improvement project. Oh, not having to empty the it's humidifier. It's like getting a car that fills its own tank. Yeah. Although I did, I did, this thing did manage to find one way to get back at me, which is that for some reason, this thing has a button on it called pump, Right. And if mm. and when you turn the thing on from an off state, the pump mm -hmm. button is not on. So if somehow it gets turned off or back on again or whatever, oh, no. when it comes back on, it's not in pump mode. It's like, why would you ever Ugh. not be in pump mode? Always That's be so pumping. That's so annoying. ABP, always be pumping. ABP, yeah. I feel that way about all the fans in my life. It drives me crazy. Like we recently got a, we needed a heater in one room. So I popped for one of those Dyson, like like pretty cool air plus pretty warm 
heater things. And it's actually worked out really, really great. But like, it just, this is kind of unrelated yet kind of related. It just drives me crazy how much stuff is not only in no way programmable or smart home compatible. There are no options. There are no options because basically if, if, because if you're stuck with the monkey ass caveman approach of like, there's a zero or one switch, there's a zero or one switch. Like for example, I have a fan, a standing fan that I brought in from home when it got hot here. And it's a standing fan with, um, with a, with a control and an oscillator, right? So it's got off three, two, and one, right? Um, very, very simple, probably can set the kind of thing like technology connections could probably do this probably pretty much the same kind of fan that you would get in the thirties, but maybe not as deadly. It doesn't make toast as well, but you know what? I can put that on my useless Wemo timer. Don't get me started on Wemo, but the point is I can, so I could, I can automate that fan. Cause guess what I do? I just leave it in non oscillating with setting number two. And all I have to do is say, do send power. Don't send power. Right. That's so, that's so great. The incredibly sophisticated, never loses suction Dyson family of products. If you turn it on, it just gets power. It doesn't change anything about the state of it, let alone being able to say, I want it to turn on at this temperature. Well, fine. That's, that's, that's crazy. Like go mission to Mars kind of stuff to be able to do that. It, it's just, it's so, it's so wild to me how like the most primitive items in some way actually afford the most options, at least for like <clears throat> retrofitting and stuff like that. But it's it is it is kind of crazy to making to me like what you're describing here of like well, why would you not do that why would you not let me you know what give me dip switches give me some dip switches because it was a physical switch like i mean yes. you know why there's a switch at all so, so you don't accidentally pump water into your house like out of the air into the ground but the thing is if it was a physical switch and i put it in the on position manually it would stay there like it would just stay yeah. I mean, when it came back on it when the device came back on if you had a power outage this pump switch would still be physically in the position that i left it but because it's all electronic it reboots to a neutral state and then i have to you know remember to put the little thing which seems so clean it seems so tidy it seems so like but i mean even like like most 80s appliances by and large like have a recovery state and now you can emulate this with something like with hue lights um the smart home product philips hue you can go in and say like what is the power on state so like if your power goes off what do you want this light to do when it comes back on or this switch or whatever it is which is pretty clever but no i i have your back on that and it's but you know it's it is it is kind of frustrating when when you have to become the you, the, the only thing smart in your home is you it can be really frustrating um but um you know, if you're going to go check the dehumidifier, why not empty it? That's all I'm saying. 